Okay, you guys go ahead and I'll I'll harmonize. <laughs> this doesn't seem <laughs> fair. That's uh, true. Yeah, also I don't trust your ability to harmonize to be okay, honest. Okay, well I'll um fill in the sound, you know. Give us a beat, Seb. Just like come in with some percussion, you know? <laughs> okay, okay. Now? <laughs> mm-hmm. What would the beat of this song be, do you think, in numbers? I'm pretty sure it's like four. You took a drum in It would be four. You should know. Yeah, is it about four, four time? Okay. It's real slow. You gotta speed it up. Why don't we skip the song this week? Let's skip, let's skip the song this week. No, we have to We're do none it. None of us are I think we have to sing it. We'll record it at the end. I think, Seb, you should do the announcing. Like, you're like... Seb, are you this shy to sing? I can I don't, start not it. usually. I'll but... start it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> This is rude. You're making the guests do it. So this is rude. I never sing, uh, so I'm fine with Rosie anything. Loves singing. I don't know if, if I know the words, but um, I'm pretty sure it's just like, we are family. I got all my I got sisters, all my sisters all with me. me. We are we family. Are family. <laughs> get up, everybody. Come on, everybody. Sing. sing. All right, I didn't even know that Seb, that's not that was not a harmony. Well, I don't really know what that means, so. Um okay, so the theme song would have gone there. Mm-hmm. And then I would say something like, "Welcome to Is It Whack, your favorite movie podcast." where we judge the whackness of movies, whackness meaning whatever we feel like on that given day. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, Seb. And Hi, may Seb. I say, hello, Fantas. <laughs> you may say that, Seb. Okay, thank you. I'm joined mm-hmm. by my, my co-hosts, Nara. Hi, I'm Nara. Adam, when you're editing this, I'm really sorry. I just dropped my phone on the floor. I then <laughs> picked it up, so there might be a weird loud noise there. All right, great, great intro. Hannah? Hi. I keep getting distracted by Maya's cat. She's currently sucking on her toes. <laughs> um, but me is here. Hello. And today we're joined by a special guest. Ooh. Part of the, the uh, Montreal's hottest band, <laughs> Body Wash. <laughs> nice. Contributing writer at uh, outlets such as uh, Bright Wall, Dark Room. And many more. Um, it's uh, my cousin, Rosie Long Dector. Wow! Thank you for the for hyping me up so much, Seb. <laughs> you gotta do it. You gotta do it. I gotta do the little bio. Um, yeah, stoked to be here. I'm Rosie. Thanks for having me. Um, Seb's favorite cousin. I would. I would say. <laughs> it's on the record now. Yeah. So. And any of my cousins who want to dispute it have to come on. Exactly. Yeah. All right, and what are we discussing today, Rosie? What movie have you brought in for our series, which I forgot to mention? <laughs> it's a party series, tentatively titled... Tentatively? Whack, Whack into the club at a party. I think confidently <laughs> titled that. Well, I said it tentatively. Um, yeah, my pick for today is a like tentative party film. Um, I picked The Birdcage, which I think it counts as a party film because a dinner party is a type of party. Yeah. And also, 
they're at the they're at the nightclub you know there's multiple types of parties going on um mm-hmm. so that's my that's my argument for why it counts definitely we did carry last week so right <laughs> okay. yeah it's prom loose. is a party it's a yeah. loose theme but yeah prom is a party a dinner party is a party yeah. there you go yeah um but yeah i definitely i can't remember when i first saw it but i know i saw it like as a kid um mm-hmm. and had it in you know the way that the movies you see when you're in a, when you're a kid just kind of like stick in your consciousness in some way mm-hmm. um and then i rewatched it about a year ago probably for the first time like as an adult um which was really interesting because there's there's so much in it but there's also it's such a like very specific representative of its moment in time um I feel like there's a lot of potential whackness that we can discuss (laughs) today (laughs) um but I personally still found it very charming and rewatching it for the podcast also found it once again very charming I think like so much of which is down to the cast and also mm. Elaine May um, and Mike Nichols, but you can definitely feel Elaine May's writing writing touch mm. there. Um, yeah, so that's why I picked it. Oh, and I've seen the the stage musical as well, like Casual Fall. Oh. Um, yeah, I've saw I saw that on Broadway, and I've seen Nathan Lane on Broadway, but I didn't see Nathan Lane in like Casual Fall. The but, producers. Um, yeah, no, I saw him in um, The Adams Family. Oh, interesting. Whoa. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> was he Gomez? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's he in one of The Adams Family films, but just a cameo. Mm. There's some uh, Nathan Lane Adams Family trivia. There you go. Um, <laughs> does anyone else have a prior history with this movie? I'd actually never seen it. I would see it in Blockbuster. And I think most movies as a kid, I'd see them in Blockbuster and I'd go, I'd I kind of understand what that's about. I remember <laughs> looking at this one and going, what's the idea here? What's yeah. happening here? <laughs> I've never, this was my first time seeing it today, but like I'd heard about it in like the cultural, like conversation mm-hmm. or whatever, but I, it was like something I'd been meaning to watch and hadn't actually gotten around to it. So I was happy to watch it. Uh, anyone else yeah I've I've never seen it either my friend Scooter sent me a message being like I'm watching this movie called The Birdcage I don't think it's very good maybe you should watch it (laughs) um and then I was like okay and then I brought it up today to my dad saying that he was gonna watch it and he was like oh is that the film that's like based off the French one and I was like I truly do not know and he's like okay I haven't watched it I don't know anything about it and that's it have you seen the the film of the musical of the original french musical rosie no like the original film yeah yeah no i have oh okay was it a film that's not a musical and then a musical it was i can't i it was a play i think yeah then a musical then a film ah, yeah okay one of those it's i almost a, watched a lot the, of the iterations yeah i did not i love that yeah I love that I love a film with or like a story with like a bajillion iterations. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Um, where do we want to start? Do you want to start with the summary, Sebastian? I will if if someone gives me a song. Oh. Seb, Seb summary corner theme song. Summaries by Seb. Woo. Okay. Well, <laughs> didn't appreciate the tone of that, but that's fine. <laughs> I was just. 
not used to doing that. <laughs> I never do it. I actually am always surprised that it that there is a thing. I guess so. it's usually Adam and Funky. Anyway, Rosie, this yeah. is the famous and popular segment, Seb Summary Corner, where nice. I summarize the movie. Everyone I love it. loves it. Um, okay. So, usually I'm better at this. Robin Williams' character name. Armand? Armand. Okay, so Armand is a club <laughs> owner in Florida who is gay, and he and his partner, uh, you know, work at this club. His partner is a performer. Um, and his son comes to visit and unexpectedly announces that he's getting married and that his fiance's parents are Republicans and her dad is a Republican uh, politician who heads a committee for uh, moral order. And uh, at the same time, the politician is fleeing a scandal because the other co-chair of that committee was found uh, dead with an underage uh, sex worker. And um, so he's trying to escape a scandal. Well, uh, and I forgot, <laughs> the son also wants to pass Armand, his dad, off as a straight man to the new family. And so they're trying to figure that out. Well, you know, the politician is escaping the <laughs> scandal. And you can imagine what kind of hijinks ensue. So That's true. my summary. Yeah. Beautiful. You hit, you hit everything. Good job. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and then, and crucially, the, the politician comes down to Florida to meet the That's parents. That's the big part, right? For a comment. dinner party. Yes. <laughs> The two families then interact. Right, <laughs> it's not just right. two parallel stories. <laughs> yeah. But wouldn't it have been better if they never met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. just more about, yeah. Just a juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's, yeah, I forgot about this part. <laughs> it's convoluted, though. There's a lot going on. It's hard to explain. Have you? Has anyone ever seen... I gotta bring this up because Adam isn't here. The Ang Lee movie... The Wedding Banquet? No. I have because it's at West Hawk at our at our cottage. Um, Sub and I, our, our parents share a family cottage um, in Manitoba. And we have a VHS of The Wedding Banquet there. I'm pretty sure. I didn't um, know that. So I've seen it in some like summer when I was like 15 or something. But I, I don't remember it very well. The setup is very similar. Kept thinking about that movie. That movie's a lot mm. more serious. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think it's probably after this. Yeah, this was like when was this? It's Is this one ninety five? Ninety six. But the, I imagine that the French movies a few years before that. The French one is 1978. This is 96. Oh, oh yeah, because this was wow. nominated wow. for an Oscar for bet, best set decoration. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a great. Great set decoration. Yeah, totally. I loved like just the exterior shots mm-hmm. of like South Beach. I was very cool. Really obsessed with the shot where um Armand goes to find is his name Albert, his like partner, on yeah. the like bus bench and there's like yes. the weird like green screen rear projection yeah. of the boat yeah. behind the them. boat is so good. That's <laughs> such a good shot. There's a lot of interesting green screen, especially in the driving <laughs> scenes. Like, you know, interesting early green screen. Mm. So, yeah, that shot was fun. That was a really good shot. Mm -hmm. Generally, 
Hannah, Nara, what did you think seeing the birdcage for the first time? I enjoyed it. I thought, especially like for 95, 96, I mean, like, I feel like the 90s, there was starting to be more like gay representation in media, but at the same time, there was still so much like gay panic that like something about this does feel kind of like ahead of the conversation. Like, and, and even just like the kind of like satire of the like conservative family. Yeah. I really, I thought it was smart, but also fun and also like, like heart warming I don't know like obviously there's like some kind of aspects of it that like now feel really dated like Hank Azaria uh playing a Guatemalan <laughs> yeah we gotta talk um, about which Hank for sure. that was, yeah that was a lot that was yeah that he was learned his lesson though he never did an impression he never, of, yeah, of yeah, other yeah, races yeah. ever again. Yeah. <laughs> his career really suffered from that <laughs> uh yeah I mean like that definitely um but like I don't know I also I think it's an interesting film I feel like I died when Kareen, or Christine Baranski oh like God. came on screen I was like she of was course great. that's exactly what this movie needed yeah um, <laughs> the one like, thing it was wow. missing <laughs> oh my god like and I, I love campy 90s movies, right? And so this is going to be right up my alley. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Nara, what did you think? I know you're laughing at me trying to guide this episode, but Adam and Funky aren't here. That's no, I was I do. was laughing at you asking that question because I know you read my Letterboxd review because you gave it a little like. Oh, yes. Um, And I maybe my Letterboxd review is unfair to this movie considering how early it came out, but my review of it was just Love, Simon Core, because this is very much in, like, <laughs> the same camp of queer films, where it's, like, movies about gay people for straight people to like. I, okay, I'm gonna disagree But maybe with you. it's, like, it might be different, because I'm watching this in the year 2021 instead mm-hmm. of the year mm-hmm. 1996, um, but now... Maybe this is saying more about Love, Simon. Maybe Love, Simon just needs okay. to be yeah. not it. <laughs> I... I think it's really unfair to compare this movie to Love, Simon. <laughs> I think but it's unfair to can... compare any movie to Love, Simon. Let me just okay. say that. First, I'm going to say Love, Simon is fine. It's not an exciting or, like, inventive film, but it was. it did what it was trying to do, which is, like, obviously be the least kind of, like, controversial film about, like, a gay teen or whatever, and it's fine. I would say Love, Simon goes out of its way to avoid queer culture beyond just him having a queer identity whereas this film it feels very indulgent in queer culture I feel like an embrace of it so to to I don't know I I I definitely don't think they're on par with each other yeah I I'm inclined to agree and I I like I have a a more sort of thought through argument about why the film I think works in its queerness um I don't know if now is like the moment for it, but um, yeah. I, cause I, when I rewatched it for the first time as an adult last year, I felt very like sort of tense watching it. And like, I was just like those scenes, those early scenes where the son is like trying to convince Armand and Albert to play straight, like that I found really hard to watch and hard to stomach. Um, and I think it's just not a premise that would work today at all. Um, but I think... Happiest season? 
Oh, true. I didn't see that. (laughs) Is that the premise of Happiest Season? (laughs) Happiest Season is like a reverse the birdcage, but without any of the fun. Mm. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I think the premise wouldn't work in the same way today, but I think for taking it as like, I don't know, a, a sort of snapshot of that historical context, I think it works really well um and a lot of that I think has to do with the ending but I can come back to that later I'm curious Seb what you thought of it well I have to ask is the premise of happiest season that they're disguising someone as they're just disguising a conservative politician as a gay couple (laughs) (laughs) no fine it's not quite the same but it's like I would watch that like I can't remember the actress's name. Kristen Stewart's girlfriend's Mackenzie uh, Davis. Mackenzie Davis. Parents are like conserv. Sorry, Mackenzie Davis. Davis. Yeah, Mackenzie Davis's parents. The dad's like a politician, and so they're like trying to have family values or whatever. And then Kristen Stewart has to pretend to be like her straight roommate. Oh, okay. So know. it's it's like the it's... partner pretending to be straight, not the parents. Yeah, it's not quite the same. But anyway, no, no, it's that was a good, good point. I was, I was just joking. Mm. Um, I yeah, I feel like I'm kind of out of my depth here. <laughs> I feel like you three <laughs> know what you're talking about more than I do. I I enjoyed it. I didn't uh, love it or anything. It's not something I'm, I'm super psyched to to watch again. But I was having a good time all the way through. There were points that you know, obviously things were dated. There were points. I actually thought like the section you're talking about where the son's trying to convince them. The most powerful thing in it to me, and I know it's not trying to be powerful, it's a, it's a light comedy, but I did think the monologue Robin Williams gives about not wanting to be closeted was very mm-hmm. powerful, and it was one of the moments mm-hmm. that I was most engaged. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, The Sun definitely comes off super unlikable uh, in, in 2021, but that may be unfair to him. I think that I don't. <laughs> at the time. I didn't think so. I, I was like, "This son is so unlikable," but then I was like, "Wait, this dude is literally twenty. Like, he's literally <laughs> just like, yeah." Like, I think literally. <laughs> I felt like the regardless son, of ev- oh sorry, I felt like the son was like miscast. To be honest, like I think they should have cast someone a little younger and mm-hmm. like a little more inherently likable. Like, I almost felt yeah. like the actor was taking it's away kind from of it. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. They should have casted Seth Green. <laughs> <laughs> That's my take. <laughs> yeah, or just someone with like a little more tenderness or something. I don't know. Like yeah. I feel like that role could have worked, but it's like the only one in the film aside from Hank Azaria that like leave like doesn't sort of resonate in a way. I find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I agree. I love the like the studio note. Like the sun is too smug. We got to get Seth Green in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Seth Seth Green would have been good in this. I think. Um, I buy also, that. I thought the sun, like, I don't know. I think this, like, I, the sun wasn't particularly compelling to me, but I didn't find him like unbearable. For some reason, I really liked his girlfriend. I just yeah. thought she was so cute. She was fun. Um, she yeah. was compelling. Some of her reactions are really funny too. Yeah. Yeah, and her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her and Nathan Lane when. Nathan Lane's in drag. I just that a cute like, um, also like, I can't get over Hank Azari. I mean, I can't. I don't know. It's just like, I mean, you either could have just had him play like a white character, or you could have cast a Guatemalan 
actor and it like seems so unnecessary so not really that relevant is to question rosie i guess is there a part similar to that in like the stage play of it i don't remember cool (laughs) all i remember all i remember from the stage musical i remember it being quite different to be honest um like i just remember feeling like the plot was very different and also i just remember the songs there's some good songs in it and actually what 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 holds true i think between the two versions is is the like poignancy of armand and albert's relationship which i thought was like one of the strongest parts of the movie um and also comes down like especially to robin williams i just think he's so lovely in this movie oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah and nathan lane i think is a treasure Mm -hmm. (laughs) my god absolutely and i will say actually some okay well are they the actors in love simon are they queer irl one of them is not not the lead though yeah no the other guy is his like love interest is which is like so like clear i feel like i don't know i feel like yeah that guy's not a good actor also i will say that nathan lane is actually gay and robin williams pulls it off (laughs) i think he's not really doing a stereotype he's Mm -hmm. trying to i think trying his best to be sensitive Mm-hmm. And this is still a time where, like, a straight actor playing, like, mm-hmm. a gay character was actually, like, potentially, like, a kind of risky career move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, like, hard to think about in, you know, today's context. But, like, it, it I mean, even just thinking about, like, Brokeback Mountain in 2005, right. like, the way that that was, like, uh, advertised or whatever, like, it's still things, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I think a lot of actors would have tried to distance themselves from the character by playing it as more of a stereotype. Like, oh, this this Mm. obviously isn't me. Like, I'm doing this crazy character, which I think Robin Williams has done in, like, his stand-up and stuff before. But, like, him in this, you know, older and and in a different time, and uh, Nichols and May, I think, prevent that from happening. And the other actors. And there is such a tenderness between the two of them. Like, they Mm. have chemistry. They do. Um, Um, yeah I think both of those characters like actually feel like real people even like Nathan Lane's character obviously is like some kind of a stereotype but I think there's enough depth to it even just when he's like I know how ridiculous people think I am like I I I just like love that and it's also just something I could personally relate to of just like feeling hysterical all the time for like not necessarily any reason (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of humanity to to that. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the phone ringing. My my parents' phone is ringing. Oh my god! And you call yourself a podcast person? <laughs> <sighs> um, do we want to talk about the politicians? Yeah, the the, the other family. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think all three of them are fantastic. Gene Hackman, incredible. Diane Weist, incredible. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to reference that Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> My favorite cold open from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Do you want to describe this? Um, oh, God. Am I going to get it right? I haven't watched it in a while. Um, what is... what is? It's like Charles Boyle describing his weekend, and he says he was feeling ill. He, like, came down with an yeah, illness or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Um, and he's like, and whoever like 
Jake Peralta's like, oh no. And he's like, yeah, I was having a Bullets Over over Broadway marathon. So you could say I got a Diane Weist infection. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like a long pause and then he's like, like yeast. <laughs> and then it cuts right to the theme song. Great cold open. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like I got a Diane Weist infection from this movie. <laughs> Yeah, she's she, so great when she, like, that line of, I just want someone to love me the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I love when she when she calls her Barbie. She calls her Barbie a ra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's cute. Was, I'm just wondering, like, was there supposed to be, like, some comment in there about sort of, like, how these conservative people think that like a gay or like queer relationship is like unmoral but then they're okay with their like 18 year old daughter getting married like was that supposed to be because i also feel like they weren't okay with it i just thought i was like weirded out by them being like you're barely 18 well wasn't it like they weren't really okay with it but then once it came to the point where they needed something yeah, to distract yeah. from the scandal yeah. they were like ready to utilize it in that way yeah um which also like yeah i agree with them she's too young to get married <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so someone on letterbox described the portrayal of them as uh toothless which i think is fair and unfair like it's not the type of movie that is going to go for like, you know, like a really like sharp pointed attack on them. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting that it never does when it, you know, easily could have, but it's also like, I don't know. Like when they're at the wedding at the end, I'm like, is all, are all the problems solved here? Yeah. Okay. So this, this comes to my argument about the ending. Like the reason why the movie works for me, and I don't think it's just like a queer assimilation story or like a like homonormative story, is because I think the tensions aren't resolved at the end. Right. Like it's like these are two families that are going to have to coexist, but they're not merged in in the same way. Like there's very clear, mm-hmm. there's like separate pews at the wedding, you know, and and it's like the two communities kind of observing each other, but like not necessarily blending i don't think it's like a story of like harmony in that way Mm, um and i think especially the reason it works is because the second last scene is the conservatives having to like pretend to pass in the queer community or like assimilate themselves to the queer community which i think is like it's just such a good reversal of the passing story that you think the movie's gonna be um and I think is like pretty subversive in in just like putting these conservatives in this like obviously uncomfortable um, position and then doesn't like pretend that they have some kind of like moral awakening from that, you know, like it's not like they're like suddenly loving queer people or like he's passing a gay rights law in the Senate or whatever. (laughs) It's just like they did what they had to do to get out of there just to like get home and then they went back to their republicanism and they're just gonna talk it's like they're tolerating each other you know right which is why i like it that's my little speech (laughs) no no that's very interesting (laughs) yeah i also feel like if if the if this movie came out again like even like 10 15 years later i'd be like more willing to say that the portrayal was like toothless because it would feel kind of like I don't know, like, 
one of those kind of like 2010 store like liberal like kind of everything is good now and like whatever stories where I think again like putting your shoes and like the time that it came out it feels like like this would have been like a bigger move like not necessarily criticizing republicans but like trying to make like a major motion feature that like did both that and like kind of pushed for like gay representation on screen mm. i don't know again i was i wasn't born yet so i can't <laughs> be sure but <laughs> Yeah, also just a, a like gay story that is not about like death or trauma or like doesn't sort of engage in those tropes of like hopelessness. Um yeah. and and finds like joy in in queer community. Like I really appreciate that about it. Um Yeah, I don't know. Nara, I'm curious of your thoughts because of the, like, Love, Simon comparison and, like, what was it that really struck you, like, negatively about it? Um, I was just sort of, like, this is, like, the starting point of how people see queer culture today. Mm. I'm, like, this is the starting point. Like, not necessarily, like, at the time, like, in of, in of itself, it's, like, not, like, I don't think any of the reasons why, like, like, you're pointing out, like, is like very like progressive and like risk-taking for its time to just have these like unashamedly like queer um folks and like personalities on screen but then I think that sort of turned into what we see as like queer media now where it is about sort of like these like maybe like this is like better like you're saying it's not just being like homonormative but I think that's a lot of what it was taken now where it's like now when you like oh we're like flamboyant but that's okay because we're just like you on like other things or it's like oh we have this like special like specific community that's just for us but when we're out of that community we're just like you and we just want to be just like you um sort of thing where it's sort of like there's not space at least not in sort of like mainstream or like the media that's been capitalized off of that's sort of like being like we want to we don't care about your sort of like expectations we don't care about like heteronormative society at all we're just gonna like let you do your thing and we're gonna do our thing and not worry about one another um where I think like there is parts in this film where it is like I think like when Robin Williams does his like like again when he's talking about when he's like I don't want to have to like pretend to be something I'm not but he's also like I don't like he's like I don't care how they see me because it's like we just live two separate lives so it doesn't really matter um, which I think is, like, sort of, like, good in this film, but is maybe, like, was missed by the greater population mm. in a way, or, like, or like people saw that and they didn't, like, like, I think people just, like, latched onto the wrong things to, like, propel queer narratives, like, going forward. I, s I feel like, I don't think it's fair to kind of, uh, like, kind of oh my god I've completely forgotten the word I'm trying to say but I feel like it's not fair to like put that on this film particularly I would say like films like Love, Simon which again I don't know I don't think it's the worst thing in the world but it's that film is more of a regression like this film I don't know I just it doesn't it, it like I think 
it needs to be remembered that like also like the queer community isn't just one single community right yeah like there are so many different experiences and existences that I'm sure Love, Simon speaks to a lot of people's experiences just as like this film that's more like embracive of just like unapologetic kind of like queer counterculture is speaks to other people's experiences that to like I don't know I just I think they're not trying to achieve the same thing because I think they're probably speaking for different people and different experiences and different outlooks on identity so it's not necessarily fair to say like this one film led to the other especially when I really don't think that this film is like pandering to like straight liberals or anything I think it's I don't know I like I'm sure there there's a appeal but I just I don't know it doesn't necessarily feel like that I like I would agree with you but I'd also sort of like argue that it's like at the beginning we're brought into this club where they are pandering to a straight audience like half of the audience a drag right, club like, well, yeah part of i get part of the, the audience kennedys, yeah like oh, the, right, right. the whole thing about like the kennedys are here for the third time this week and like i yeah i think that's a good point in the sense of also like you can kind of see this film or you could like maybe position it in the lineage of like the mainstreaming of drag culture um yeah. and like a kind of proto rupaul type thing but yeah i know i i would argue that like rupaul's drag race didn't become like a big mainstream show until like five years ago Mm -hmm. like i would there were a few films that came around this time about drag culture but it was still very much a counterculture that again like and it doesn't feel like it's being played for laughs either which like other representations um in other media like at this time would play it for that I don't know it still doesn't feel pandering but sorry I'll let you continue I just I don't think the film itself panders to straight audiences necessarily like I um but I I can understand putting it in that sort of lineage and like I think to me actually the moment that sticks out the most as doing that is when um Albert is like outed as a man and like takes off his wig and then he says like but I'm still me, I'm, and I'm still the same person, and I'm just like you to to um, Gene Hackman. Or not, I don't know if he says I'm just like you, but he's like, we were, we have this connection going, you know, and like, just because I'm gay doesn't mean you and I can't get along or whatever. And that felt the most kind of maybe like, oh, the queers and the conservatives are all in this together. Um, but I think overall the movie doesn't really capitulate to doing that. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going to keep disagreeing with everybody. <laughs> well, but I feel, I just, I feel I like think, kind of in the middle between both of you. Like, I'm right. open to both interpretations it, of it. I think it's... I just mean, like, context-wise, like, that that's some, a message we've obviously... We, we, Modern Family was on the sh- on air for, like, 12 million years. Mm-hmm. Like, we... That kind of, we're just like you. It's just family thing is, like, been said over and over again. But again, in 1995, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. That, like that uh, I think that that might have actually been more powerful at the time. It wouldn't have feel felt so kind of like doy that we feel now. So again, I don't know. It just feels weird to, to I don't know. Uh, like, no, it's fair. hard to look at it from contemporary eyes. Like I'm also speaking from a perspective where it's like the queer content I ingest and like partake in is 
completely out of the mainstream like it is made through alternative roots so it's like i'm just like very used to a different type of like queer media and like yeah audience. And I, of course i think also i mean like yes this was maybe a sort of like radical or i don't know about radical but like very alternative perspective to have in a more mainstream movie at the time but like there was more radical queer media being made in the 80s and 90s you know like this is not as radical as it got like this is this is a hollywood film and i feel like what is what is like striking about it is that it has this perspective in a hollywood film um yeah but i don't know that that perspective itself is like you know no i wouldn't call it like radical yeah it's still like it's still a monogamous like white male couple Mm -hmm. like i I, I, that's not necessarily like the most alternative take but i i don't know i just feel like sometimes it's really easy like now to take for granted what wasn't as common Mm -hmm. like even like 20 whatever or almost 30 years ago well that's crazy (laughs) Um, but I don't know. I also think it's like, again, not everybody who's part of that community is an, is alternative, does like necessarily like feel as connected to that. So I think like, I don't know, like maybe, you know, like there's going to be movies for like the Pete Buttigieg, like gays and like that's okay. I wonder actually, like, I I wish I'd done a little more research before coming on because I wonder what the reception of it was in, like, queer spaces at the time, you know? Or, like, how, how like, queer media felt about this movie would be interesting to think about. But it was... I, I don't know, sadly. <laughs> but it, 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 it was... <laughs> Looking at no, you. No, but it, no, no, I'm not, I'm not speaking on that point at all. But I just think it's interesting... Because I don't actually think it is for the beat, the Pete Buttigieg gaze, as Hannah was saying. No, because I know. Sorry, I was. No, that's funny. But I think uh, (laughs) I was operating. My interpretation of it was on an assumption of what it was going to be for most Mm. of the movie. But I think Rosie's reading makes more sense that what it actually ends up being is is more subversive than. you know you'd expect it's not born in flames or or anything like that yeah it's like, you know for a hollywood movie but few movies are yes. so it, true. which is not <laughs> it did win a glad media award when it came out for going beyond the, the stereotypes to see the character's depth and humanity yeah and i think this movie or born in flames <laughs> this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. and i think that is like as we've been talking about like one of the strongest things about it is is that it it's well written like it's it's just like a well-written movie that is interested in people and community and not just like stereotypes and plot and whatever um wait I had something else I wanted to say oh I wanted to actually go back to the point about the conservatives being toothless because that's oh, you're echoing like crazy you sound like a scary you're... robot to us but you'll sound oh, very no. normal yeah. on the do you want to Unplug oh, you're better thing. now. Okay, you seem. I'm sad. better now. You're better now. Yes, yeah. for me. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. Cool. But conservatives um, being toothless. Conservatives being toothless. I, I wouldn't have used that word to describe. Like, I actually feel like the movie makes fun of them so much. Like the whole, the fact that this guy started a committee for moral order, um, and then you know the whole thing about like, what's his name, Jackson or whatever, like. Mm-hmm. 
um, yeah. you know, being a hypocrite in that sense. And, like, I don't know. I, I feel like it actually was taking a lot of shots at the kind of, like, false morality of the, like, Christian yeah. conservative, right? Mm-hmm. When he's like, Rush Limbaugh said something just like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know. And also, like, the, like, Nathan Lane's character sort of having fun with going, like, taking those arguments to the logical oh, extreme yeah, yeah, of, yeah. like, we should kill the mothers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah that, that's fair. Um, I did want to say, before we get too far from it, just in terms of, like, uh, who the audience is, a moment that I thought was kind of striking was... Um, when Robin Williams is giving Nathan Lane like straight masculinity lessons mm. like that, that I felt like was a moment and it's very broad and whatever. And maybe it is still for straight people, but I thought it was interesting that that didn't feel like the default. Like, it's like, look at how acting straight is actually like ridiculous. Like the, the stereotypes around yeah. like straight masculinity, like, right. You know, are like, straight masculinity is the campiest thing there fucking is if I like like it's it's I would also it kind of comments on like heteronormative like practices as being a form of drag like you're still mm-hmm. a, performance. a performance you're still yeah. projecting an identity through your dress through your mannerisms like masculinity isn't like isn't as necessarily as natural or whatever as those who perform it may believe it to be in like I like that film comments on that. Yeah, I agree. I think the movie is very interested in like gender as performance. Um, and there's like a lot you could do with it there. I also just that line when he tells when um, Robin Williams tells Nathan Lane to walk like John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And then he does the walk. And then he's like, no, that was perfect. I just never realized he walked like that. Like, that's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a line. <laughs> Yeah, and on the performance thing, I thought one thing um, that I thought was interesting is in the dinner party, when they go to the kitchen, it really feels like they're going backstage in a play. Like, everyone's, like, panicking, and it's like, oh, it's a disaster Mm -hmm. out there, and, like, like, trying to prepare stuff. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was thinking about how a lot of it felt quite play-like, which I guess it has its origins in a play. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But also, like, how a lot of the scenes have these, like, big rooms, like, are set in these large rooms, and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people, and, like, the blocking is quite specific. Um, Like, I just liked how intentional so much of the directing was. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Nichols. Nichols started on stage, right? Nichols and they were, like, a comedy team, right? Yeah, yeah, which I feel like really benefits this film a lot. Um, yeah. mom and I were really also, enjoying some of, uh, Hank Azaria's pratfalls. <laughs> were very funny. <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's, like, a real shame that he's basically doing brown face because he's so funny and, like, yeah. it's just, <laughs> like, it, God, it's, it's so bad. <laughs> I was having an argument with my dad the other day, actually, about Hank Azaria because my dad was, like, commenting on how, you know, he's now like apologizing for having played Apu and and seems to have really like changed his perspective and I'm like bro it took him literally 30 years like <laughs> so long so, like 
yeah watching like watching that documentary the problem with the poo or the and and then also just his response to it i'm like yeah. i don't give like oh you can God. say whatever you want now like you responded so poorly to this and took so long like shut up like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i don't i didn't actually follow it too closely until more recently when he's been very apologetic but yeah, mm-hmm. definitely took them long enough and it's also just like <laughs> weird that it's like now all the characters of color have new voices and i was just like i'm sure it's cool for those actors to have a paycheck for the new voices but it's like yeah i played dr hibbert from like season 33 <laughs> like that's so weird <laughs> it's also just bizarre when you consider that that pretty much all came out of the George Floyd riots last summer. And like that, that was one of the most tangible things that happened was like all of these TV shows deciding to no longer have characters like be in blackface. Um, It's, it's all just very weird. Like I, I just remember a moment when all of those shows were making those announcements last summer and people were like, yes, this is what the riots were trying to achieve. You know? like Yeah. It's bizarre. I didn't know this until recently that, the Washington football team, which is for, was formerly like a racial slur, is now mm-hmm. just called the Washington football team. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That's just come up with a new name. Bare minimum Honestly, effort. <laughs> they should keep that. It very much reminds me of, do you guys remember when, um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name, which is insane. Our 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 number one basketball star, Adam Kawhi. Kawhi <laughs> released these shoes. I can't remember with what company that were like his own like customized whatever shoes, and they just said Kawhi Leonard in the most basic font. <laughs> on the, they were just white shoes. One said Kawhi, one said Leonard. It was like Times New Roman, and I was like, "This is the my the best thing I've ever seen." That's great. That's. <laughs> That fits his brand, though. Wasn't his whole yes. thing that he's, like, yeah, quiet and reserved? <laughs> oh, amazing, that. though. Like, that's ge- genius. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wish that they could, like, like take Hank Azaria out of the... You know how, like, you can do like projections of like mm-hmm. old actors in movies now mm-hmm. i wish they could project hank azaria out and put in nothing no <laughs> that's not true i don't know sub you're frozen yeah did we lose some i think we yeah. did mm. let's not talk about sub behind his back <laughs> oh my god no there's oh. two subs there's but it looks subs. like he's like really smiling in his frozen <laughs> picture so that's nice hi sub hi <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsors. Sorry, Adam, that's probably going to be a nightmare. I don't know if that helped or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were what were all of you talking about? Um, I was talking about how she wants them to get a different actor and CG them in. For Hank Azaria. For this movie? Yeah. 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 <laughs> or just CG him out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And then there's just, like, silence during all of his lines. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or it's just like a a cartoon like stick figure, um, who doesn't talk. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not him, I think it it's 
that character is like also like their like housekeeper yeah and the only other like latin american character is that guy who's like the dumb guy who's like chewing gum oh yeah no yeah. it's it's a racist character for it's, sure it's like, bad, yeah, yeah, yeah it's bad yeah. no matter what that's why i was saying just cg it out yeah. i don't yeah like yeah it's it's just simply should have been like a like a white gay twink that would have been funny i think <laughs> yeah yeah he's basically manuel from faulty towers if anyone knows what. oh that is. i know what that is yeah yeah he he's yeah like basically clumsy mexican oh my god <laughs> it feels like <laughs> um should we take a stroll down whack yeah. actor avenue down whack actor avenue what's that sure. <laughs> we talk about the performances which we've very much done already but if there's anyone else you want to mention i love what gene hackman's doing he's so good i think he's always doing something he's so funny, funny man yeah, he's, he's really incredible good. at it i think I also just like that he did this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like he was a person who I would think maybe wouldn't have wanted yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Just based on what he usually does. Um, close to Falkart. Good reactions. I feel like, oh, um, one thing I wanted to highlight was the song and dance routine between Christine Baranski and Robin Williams. How lovely. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I I mean like like Christine Baranski was of co- like of course when she shows up you're like what took you <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's true of course you're the biological mother yeah of course you are <laughs> well, who else could it, it literally be? couldn't have been anyone else <laughs> literally nobody else at, it made yeah and I I was so happy I was like. The only thing that disappointed me was that she was not in enough of the movie. She had to get stuck in traffic. And, like, that was offensive. And I was sad. <laughs> I, I was kind of disappointed that she's what gives them up, mm. you know? Like, she doesn't really get to participate. Yeah, in the hijinks. I know. And she was in conservative drag, too. I wanted to see. <laughs> Ugh. Sorry, no, I oh, I was just gonna say, I thought it was very funny that she was, like, stuck in traffic for this draw- drawbridge, and then, like, a tiny sailboat just went through it instead of, like, yeah. a huge, like, <laughs> shipping boat, because I'm like, that would set you behind, but that also, she's right at the front of the line of the cars, that set her behind maybe, like, ten minutes. I feel like... Yeah, I thought it, the joke was gonna be it was a huge ship yeah. that was, like, an, or something. There, were, I feel like there were so many funny little gags in it like that, though. Like, um... Possibly my favorite is that the receptionist at Christine Baranski's office was reading oh Nietzsche. God, <laughs> Nietzsche? I know. That's so good. It's and just nothing like a, came from that? No, it's just a throwaway <laughs> gag, which is, I love it. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that, I know. That was great. <laughs> that was fun. Um, I'm also... Never mind. I was going to have a thought, but then I... It I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about like the reporters that are like tailing them? Mm. Yeah, I was never like loving that. No, I was like, I was like, I don't. Care. I was like, this is yeah. a weird subplot um, that I don't really care. Like, if there's like, like if the reporters were a bit more like aggressively in the story, maybe it'd be better. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like they weren't even funny. They were just like an inconvenience. Yeah. If they were Alan Cummings in Spice World or whatever, <laughs> then I'd be like, okay. But Alan Cummings isn't in this movie, mm-hmm. which seems wrong. Missed opportunity, and for sure. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, it seems like I would have accepted if the cameras were there at the end and we didn't know in great detail how they got right. there. Like, I don't care why we have to see like, oh, they paid the chauffeur. And then I guess it's supposed to be like mounting tension and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's worth it for the payoff with the drag, but mm-hmm. they don't end up, the reporters themselves don't end up doing it. I think maybe well, even if there's yeah. like one part just before where they like maybe bringing christine brancy's character a little bit more and have them stop her or have them be the reason she's stuck in traffic mm. then that mm. would be better but it just like seems so like just like thrown in at the last minute um that it's like i really truly do not care please have less screen time with them mm. the one other structural thing which i guess we're in in script structure avenue is i was wondering why is there it feels like they get to the party so late in the movie. Mm. Like, yeah. there's so much of, like, build-up before, and then the party itself is well, pretty short. I, I, I was also thinking the same thing as I was watching. I was like, oh, like, is there, like, still a lot of the movie left, or is the party just short? But then I guess it's sort of, like, a lot of it is to build up the relationship between Armand and Albert, mm-hmm. which I think is good and does pay off. Um, but, it, yeah, it is just kind of weird how how short the party is. There's a lot of good stuff in the party. I like the bowls. The bowls is funny. <laughs> the bowls. The bowls is a good bit. I love... I like... <laughs> I do love that Gene Hackman, like, takes to to Mrs. Coleman so much. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. Which is... Yeah, that's that's probably, like, the most false thing in a way. Like, that probably wouldn't really happen. They... The two of them sell they it. They sell it. Right? They absolutely sell it. Yeah. He's so charmed by her, and Diane Weiss is so <laughs> hurt by it. <laughs> also, just, like, how many times they have to explain to him that... Yeah. That Nathan Lane is a man yeah. in drag, and that they're a gay couple, and he's just like... Huh? <laughs> her? <laughs> Which is, is kind of funny, also because it's, like, this conservative politician whose whole thing is about, like, moral whatever mm-hmm. like wouldn't is so far removed from that which he's like op- right. opposes to that he can't even recognize it when it's in front of him yeah but yeah i love that he he gets stuck on that they're jewish also oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he's like <laughs> that's what you were lying about yeah i, w- I wanted to <laughs> yeah. bring up the jewishness of it in general like i love that that's just like an extra layer of the subterfuge and that there's this kind of like equation between like jewishness and queerness i loved all of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah the goldman and coleman thing is yeah. oh yeah coldman with the silent d yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> guys are uh is it turning me around on this? <laughs> I was su- the best movie you've ever seen. I was surprised to hear that you weren't like, yeah, I liked this a lot, um, because it seems like a movie you would like a lot, Sebastian. So maybe if I saw it when I was younger, it's just like I was watching it with my parents, and we were cu- we were chuckling every once mm-hmm. in a while, but it felt like I don't know. I kept waiting for it to kind of kick in and for me to be having like a great time, mm-hmm. and the whole time I was having like a good. Time. Which is not really a criticism. It is. I think it's like a bit slow in certain ways. Like it is. And that that's like how long it takes to get to the party and all of that. Like it's a, a slower pacing. Um, but I feel and I noticed that again when I like rewatched it last year. But rewatching it this time, I really enjoyed it because I just liked spending time with those characters a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also like, yeah. I would say like weird pacing with like. The amount of screen time that's given to 
Barbara's family versus the story where it's like at the beginning it's sort of set up that we're going to be spending sort of like equal amounts of time sort of like tracking their journeys Mm -hmm. and then it sort of seems like about like halfway through the movie up until the dinner party we just sort of forget about them Mm -hmm. which is like another it's not bad I think it's like really nice that we have the like Armand Albert like so much dedicated to them um, because they really are like the heart of the film um, but it is just sort of like an awkward thing to watch from like a story perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It kind of cuts back sometimes. It's like they're still driving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But I'm I'm like glad that they did it that way because I feel like there would have there wouldn't have been a way of spending more time with that family without like really trying to humanize humanize them in some way. Yeah. Like I like mm-hmm. I feel like the movies just like stays under the line of like we should sympathize with these Republicans and their problems, you know, which um, I appreciate because. Yeah. Like there was no like, kind of like, I was always supposed to grow up to be a great politician. And this is hard for me kind of thing. Like he's an asshole. He sells everybody out. Yeah. And like, doesn't care. And I like that the movie doesn't give him the chance to be otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Yeah. And, and there's no like, you know, awful moment, which I thought might be coming where he's in drag and he's like, oh, I love yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. I mean, there's like the one scene where he's like, oh, no one wants to dance with me. Like, oh, which is like, um, I just think he plays it so yeah. well. Like the yeah. way he's like singing uncomfortably. He's, where he's so like, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's so good. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, I feel like, and I feel like if this movie was made today, there would it would have been a like the republicans are fundamentally changed and everybody's like loving yeah. and happy at the end and that's like yeah i think that's what it does so well and like keeps it interesting almost um should we spin the official sound whack any songs anyone wants to talk about oh i loved when they all sang um from what what play is that? Or it's what from, that it's from? from South Pacific. My Fair Lady? I think it's from or South it... Pacific. Maybe it's My Fair Lady. South Pacific? Yeah, no, it's, song, it's My Fair song? Lady. It's My Fair Lady. I could have danced But there, I did such a weird scene, and it's like, doesn't really make sense with what we know about any of the characters <laughs> and what's happening, but I loved it. Oh, oh right. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, at the dinner party. No, it's so good. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Mm-hmm. I d- can, can I just say, I really liked how they remodeled the apartment as, like, a conservative apartment where it just looks like <laughs> curtains hanging out. It's like, it, like, looks like a temporary, like, like, they call it his monastery, but I'm like, it really does just look like a church that's under renovation. Yeah. <laughs> like, it looks like, like Dracula's like, house. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, the little, chairs are, like, medieval. Yeah. <laughs> the huge, like, crucifix on the wall like tiny little plank of wood as the table with some like candlesticks on it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i that's where i was like the sun is being too harsh on the people who are helping him yeah because the moose is a good the idea the moose was a good moose idea a i think the moose idea. is good bro that sun didn't know what he was um, talking about that sun was an idiot <laughs> no but i don't think those people were like really like waspy conservatives i don't think that they would have mm. been but if it's a, va- I guess like in Florida vacation house, it might not have a, 
Right, it might be sense. more yeah. like a chalet, like hunting lodge. Yeah. But also, if you're like a cultural whatever the word was from Greece, like why, why it doesn't right. really make sense with. I'm right. also like, so if he's like, like a cultural mm-hmm. whatever from Greece, could he not just have some like bizarre art? Like, could he not? Mm-hmm. I think maybe that would have been fun in the movie mm-hmm. having um, Robin Williams sort of get really into the role in some ways and just have like sort of like weird eccentricities like mm-hmm. in his character mm-hmm. like the way that Nathan Lane got really into his character sort of like have Robin Williams do that but I also understand that it's like nice to have like the two balance like the two sides of it um sort of going off one another yeah he does become like a literal straight man in that way yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that I like that he- he's playing it so straight and repressed and Gene Hackman still hates him for being too yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I wrote down a note that I had is that I feel like this movie was missing a lesbian. Where I think where most, were the lesbians? I think most gay mainstream media is missing lesbians. Yeah, I don't I think in nineteen ninety-five, like you would not be finding that in a like mainstream Hollywood film. I, I just I think, think unless... that the stage director, you know, the like stage manager character easily could have oh, been a yeah, lesbian. Sure. That's what that's all I'm gonna say. I just think there should have been <laughs> some lesbians working in the club backstage. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. So that's my <laughs> criticism, Elaine May, <laughs> to take into consideration. But then this movie would have to be set in like 1805 or something. Yeah, then it'd be a period piece. <laughs> Huh? Cause like all the mainstream lesbian movies are like set like in like oh, oh, eighteen okay. something by the beach. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I feel like an old man not understanding that joke. Oh, you should really get back on Twitter. Yeah, Deb. Seb, you also really should get back on Twitter because nobody likes my tweets about the Simpsons, and I need you to like my tweets oh. about the Simpsons. So when uh when uh, it's less hazardous for my mental health, when I can more freely go outside. No, I I respect your choice. <laughs> Oh, last thing before we wrap up. I like their, like, Robin Williams gives this, like, really restrained, like, soulful performance. And then there's 30 seconds where he goes full Robin Williams when he's, <laughs> he's rehearsing the play. Yeah. It's so good. He's like, Fosse, Fosse, so Martha Graham. Like. <laughs> Dad had to explain the Martha Graham thing mm. to me. She apparently died when her scarf got stuck in a. Oh, in the in, car? Like, car wheel? In the car wheel? My mom used to so talk to me about that. So that's why he's doing... Oh, God. <laughs> he's putting his scarf over his head and saying Martha Graham. Oh, I didn't know Oh, I've that. never heard of that. My mom used to be like, don't leave the car window open too much or else you're going to die like this person wow. did. Oh, God. wow. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Mom. Is your mom Edna Mode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we head to the wacko meter? I think they should have um, had, I guess they might have been trying to do this with My Fair Lady, but I think they should have had, um, quote unquote, conservative music at their dinner to go with the conservative house. (laughs) And I would have liked to see what that was. I think the My Fair Lady thing is interesting because it's maybe I thought trying to say like there's this tiny cultural overlap, you know. Of, like, old musicals. For sure. <laughs> yeah, there is, like, there's something interesting there about these kinds of, like, two different versions of, like, American life and then that as, like, a moment of slight overlap. Mm-hmm. I always think that that's so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, it is. 
Um, uh, my final thoughts are that, are that um, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are both uh, treasures and icons, and um, so is Elaine May. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes, one of the one of the great uh, screenwriters. And... Has anyone seen Mikey and Nikki? Yeah, so oh good. What a film. (laughs) (laughs) I like went into it expecting to not like it very much because I was like, this is going to be too like masculine for me, despite it being by Elaine May. Mm -hmm. And then I just was so won over by it. It's so good. That's funny because it's too masculine for me, that movie. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, it's very, very rough. And I was surprised how how brutal it was. Yeah. Anyway, great movie great writer yeah great time for a wackometer rosie would you like to start as our guest sure what so we the... rate we okay. rate the films out of five on mm-hmm. wackness wackness can mean whatever you can also mm-hmm. go last if you want um it can be a good thing it can be a bad thing it can be whatever you're thinking today um okay i would say 3.5 out of five, sip, like Hank Azaria takes up like at least two point five of those <laughs> of those points. <laughs> um, but I think it's. I mean, I think it's whack in good ways and bad ways. I think it's like whack as like an unusual Hollywood film, and like also the kind of movie that doesn't get made much anymore, like a mid-budget mm-hmm. sort yep. of story-driven film. Um, or like, like a story and like a relationship driven film, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so good whack and bad whack being Hank's area. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nara? Um, um, it's kind of in similar, like, carry territory to me where I'm like, there are like whack things and I'm sure like for what it is and like at its time it's pretty whack but now there's so much of like parts of it that are just like oversaturating culture or like what I'm seeing that it seems like upon my viewing of it it seems less whack so I'll give it like right down the middle a three kind of vibe Hannah I'm gonna say 3.5 as well um I think yeah, I think similarly to Rosie, like there are definitely some like negative whack things, but then there is also like a lot of my favorite kind of like whack stuff where it's like everything just feels a little larger than life. Mm-hmm. Like the sets and the scenery, like there's just like a flair of like drama to it, like that I I love in my films and like and and uh, yeah, so I'm definitely going to say like 3.5. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I swear I was going to say 3.5 before <laughs> anyone anyone said it, but that, that's where I was going to go. I also remember the thing I was going to say. This was shot by the same guy who shot The Revenant. He's considered one of the great <laughs> cinematographers of all time. Beautiful. That's, see, I read somewhere that this film was actually shot inside a bear carcass. That makes a lot of sense. JK. But yeah, he's he's like one of the, one of the all-time greats. He's like... Yeah, Emmanuel Lubezki. Wow. So it's funny to see his name on this. But he did a great job. I love it's that. It's nicely shot. Those colors. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, 3.5 for sure. Nice. Do we have a wacometer calculation? Yes, we do. That's a um, Nice. The the official whack score for this is a ni nice old 3.37. 3.37. What's above and below it? Do you have the do you have the the raw data there? I have the raw data. Sorry, where am I going off of? I'm going off of this one. So just just above it is clam bake at 3.75. That fits. Just below it is super bad at 2.5. Nice, yeah. Rosie, yeah, I feel so, like we, we, we should have had you on the super bad. I know. I haven't I it's I haven't been listen or I haven't listened to it yet, but it's on my, my list to listen to that episode because I'm very curious <laughs> I, what your takes were on it, as it's one of my all time favorites. Rosie's a big super bad fan. Big super oh, fan. I also it was just the two of us on the episode. So oh really? Nice to have another person. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. I heard I heard there were some impressions going on and I have not listened yes. yet. Oh, but I was it was reported to me by your spies. A friend of mine. Your spies. Nara's but, spies. Yes. Um, nice. Rosie, I'm gonna put this out there. I'm gonna throw down the the gauntlet for myself. Mm. I'm gonna try and get cousin Misha on this. I haven't spoken to cousin Ooh. Misha in like a decade. I was gonna say, are you in, like I'm not in touch with cousin Misha? <laughs> I followed him on Instagram. He eventually followed me back. Okay, sick. I'm gonna try it. I, I love that. Nice. Respect. I gotta get a, a, a Dector cousin train. Do you have it? Can you get... Sorry. I feel like there's there's many cousins who would be easier to get, so Misha's an interesting choice. Yeah. Misha's the white whale. Like, I'm gonna ask <laughs> Sam. I'm gonna ask... I'm gonna ask Ari. Who's who's the baby cousin? Um, I was gonna ask my cousin Max. Mm. Maybe. No. Maybe Lucho. You have a... Oh is Lucho the baby, Aww. the actual... Lucho was an actual Who's... baby. He's now seven. I don't know. I think I can say this <laughs> on here. Whoa. No one else this. <laughs> I was... Can you please get Lucho on here? I can ask um... him. I He had trouble even sitting through a movie last time I watched a movie with him, but he was much yeah. younger. I mean, he's also seven. I. You don't have to get My... him on here. He was like four, and he wouldn't watch The Jungle Book with me. You should get him to pick the movie for us, and then my, we can get a cameo. Okay. My sister is seven, and she like just turned the age where she's finally like willing to sit through a full movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I think like any younger than like six, it's hard to get a kid to sit through a movie. You got to get your sister on too. Okay. <laughs> can we just have a whole panel of seven-year-olds? We'll all take the week off. That's the theme. It's all picked by seven-year-olds. And we make them watch Seven. <laughs> no. We, we, get, we watch a bunch of movies picked by seven-year-olds, then we watch Seven and rate how much seven-year-olds would like Seven. <laughs> I'm going to say a good zero out of ten. <laughs> all right, Rosie, you sat through our thought process. Anything to plug? Anything you want to say before we Oh, um, yeah, Body Wash Montreal on Bandcamp. Check us Great out. Band. Buy our merch, please. Great um, album. Thank you. That's that's my plug. Body Wash. It's a good band, I think, in awesome. my opinion. Beautiful. I agree. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you for you having so me. Much. This was fun. I also <laughs> want to thank Ian Mills for our theme song and Emma Kudlack for our logo. And I want to direct any listeners to Insomniac 
at Insomniac Fest on Twitter and at Insomniac underscore Fest on Instagram. Unless I have that backwards. In which case you're right. Do the reverse. I think I'm right. I don't know. Um, I can check right now. And in no. insomniacfestival.com where you can watch Insomniac the movie and play Insomniac the movie the game. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, available now it's, for free. It's Insomniac Fest, no underscore on Instagram. Is that what you said? I don't know, but anyone who's listening <laughs> is confused now. Sick, 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 sick. But you can find us. You know us. You love us. Um, yeah. And how does this movie end? The same way it starts. We are family. And I've got this one. No, I don't. <laughs> Someone sing with me. <laughs> I'm dancing. We are family. I'm gonna stop recording now. Woo! All right, a certified classic. Mom, get out! I'm doing a podcast. <laughs>